Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Hey, hey, it's Monique. I hope all is well. Welcome to episode 59 of the show. I was about to say 57. <laughs> 59 of the show. And this is the Brown Vegan Podcast where I love to share my experiences with transitioning to a vegan lifestyle in a very practical way. And I love to also bring on guests to share theirs. You can find out more about what I do and how I do it at brownvegan.com. And I'm also Brown Vegan everywhere on social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, I can never remember all these platforms, but I'm brown vegan everywhere that you go. So follow me on your favorite social media platform. So I know a few weeks ago, I told you guys that I'm going to start um, giving some vegan tips and some reviews or whatever on the podcast to kind of give you some more information about like what I'm doing and what's going on as far as in a vegan community. So I'm definitely going to start that next week. But this week, because I'm behind schedule, and I want to get this episode out to you, I I didn't pick a topic for this week. But next week, I'm going to talk about different ways that you can um, incorporate sour cream, like a vegan version of sour cream into your diet, because it was a question that someone Um, asked me on Instagram the other day. So I'm going to make sure that I answer that in the next podcast episode, episode 60. But for episode 59, I want you to meet my girl B. We met on Instagram a while ago. And my two favorite subjects in the world, if anybody knows me on a personal level, is to talk about veganism and also to talk about business. I love, love, love those two subjects. So B and I connected on Instagram over that. And we talk offline too now. So I like that. I love when I connect with people and, you know, do this podcast and I get to become real life friends with them. So it's really dope to be able to do that. So I asked B to come on the show because she's using her YouTube channel and her writing to show representation in the vegan community. And she's using recipes and um, conversations about injustice to bring people closer into this lifestyle. So I think this is so important. In this podcast episode, I talked to B about like how how she navigates this lifestyle as um, a person who is really into social justice and just the vegan community as a whole. How you can be a vegan in a food desert, because I know that's a concern for a lot of people. 
why veganism is really a mindset and it's not just food. We also talked about how our love for meat and dairy affects everyone else in the world. Why we need to stop watching from the sideline. If you're someone who's watching people on Instagram be vegan and you're not, why you need to stop doing that and just do your thing. And how you shouldn't also let social media food shame you. Because of course there's always a lot of information out there about what you shouldn't do. But I feel like there's not enough information out there about what you should be doing personally. When it comes to social media, it's a whole bunch of don't do this, but not a whole bunch of do this instead. <laughs> so we talk about that in this episode. You can get all of the show notes and everything we mentioned in episode 59 at brownvegan.com. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump right into the conversation with my girl B. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks so much for being here. And of course, as always, I want to find out what was your motivation to become a vegan and what year did that start? So previous to me um, becoming a vegan consistently, because I, I actually kind of like adopted a vegan diet like three to four years, probably. I was probably cooking like mostly vegan food three to four years before I was like a vegan consistently. Before that, I basically got my introduction into like, you know, a no meat, less meat lifestyle when I was 16 years old. Um, I became like a pescatarian with like a mainly vegetarian diet. But what really like prompted me to like go vegan and stay vegan was the Sister Vegan book. That was last, it was 2016, like May 2016, where I was like, you know what, I'm going to actually do this. And I had been trying to do it. Like I said, I had been cooking mainly vegan food for three to four years. But, you know, I would go back to having something with milk in it or, you know, eggs or something like that. Like I wasn't eating meat, but still it was kind of like, getting rid of dairy completely that was kind of hard for me and plus I had just had my child like November 2015 so I was still kind of struggling with that and you know that whole transition was one of its own but that was really when I uh, decided that I had to do this after reading that book yeah, that same thing happened to me. For a long time, I always felt like veganism is much bigger than me. And it's it's much mm-hmm. bigger than just my family and my health. And I felt like right. Sister Vegan was the reason why I was able to see it from that yes. perspective. Because yes. for so long, I was like, vegans are crazy. I'm not, I would never <laughs> do that. <laughs> and why was it so it sounds so extreme? You know what I mean? So yeah. what stood out to you in that book? First and foremost, what stood out to me was just the fact that this was an entire book of people who look just like me. And they have my exact same experiences. They experience sexism and racism. And, you know, I feel like that right there, just the way that they wrote and the the way that their message came across, it, uh, it really resonated with me just based off of that. Like beyond even what they were saying, it was just like, man, like I can see myself. And most of the time when you, you know, when you watch other vegans on YouTube or you're reading their books or their materials and stuff like that, it's not that it's not great information. It's not that it's not information you could use, but it's just like, man, you know, there's just that bit of disconnect because I don't know, maybe it's like a cultural thing or I don't know, but it was just like, I couldn't really like see myself represented. And that that did kind of make it a little out of reach it was just like okay so I can do this you know you people come from the same country as me a lot of them from the same region as me you know Mm -hmm. so I'm like if you guys can do it then so can I the author Dr. Avery Harper it was like her section that um really kind of put into perspective like you said because she I'm not exactly sure if she identifies as an intersectional feminist I I believe so yeah it seems like it yeah it does seem like when you read her work yeah, you know, and I, I I don't want to put labels on her, but I, I think so. That At least that's how, how, her, how her ideology comes across to me. But it was her really 
making, I don't want to say the comparison between racism and speciesism, because that's not, that's not what she did, but it was just kind of bringing up the similarities between both, but not in like a racist way. <laughs> Cause you know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like a lot of white vegans, they try to make this comparison and I, I, I'm, I don't think all of them do this intentionally, but you know, it comes off very like insensitive. Yeah. You know, like, I'll be ready to fight, B. Yeah, I'll be ready to fight when I see it. They're like, hold on now. <laughs> like, I don't really think that's your place. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you don't know, you know, you don't know what we experience. You don't know what, what we have to go through. And like, I'm not trying to make excuses for, you know, those who are like, obviously racist. <laughs> but it's just sometimes you, you, you got to know when to be quiet, you know, or you got to know when to pass the mic. The black vegan talk about this, you know what I mean? Because we're out here talking about it. But that's definitely what really stuck with me and Sister Vegan. It was one line in particular. I think she said, and this is like a paraphrase, but she was like, I, I realized that my diet didn't align with my politics as far as how she felt that nobody was deserving of being oppressed or anything like that. And that really, 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 really stuck with me because you know, I do personally identify as like an intersectional feminist. And I, I think that nobody is deserving of a life of domination or any of that. Man, you know, I'm really complicit. You know, I'm, I'm like really complicit in this system that, you know, itemizes non-human animals. And I'm making up all of these excuses as to why I can't do it full time or, you know, consistently when all it's just an excuse. And I, I felt like, you know, I would be a bit hypocritical and I'm not saying this for you know everyone else because I was personally in the position to be able to do this you know but you know for other people who aren't I'm not you know trying to throw shade at anybody like that but you know I'm like I I I can do this I can do this I have the resources to do this I have access to farmers markets and stuff like that I mean I I was already cooking mainly vegan in the first place so I already had the knowledge and the know-how and all of that so it's like I I just need to go ahead and cut everything out for good so yeah that book totally totally like just kind of pushed pushed me over the edge and really just kind of reinsured me that I could do it yes and for people who have never read this book it's basically a collection of stories from the perspective of african-american american American, I said african-american duh that is american um women (laughs) is this different collection of stories including dr breeze harper's her like you said her story as well and just how we navigate this lifestyle and I completely agree that her comparison really did make me see veganism as something that was not only something that was important for animal rights but also a human rights perspective as well so veganism Mm -hmm. a lot of times I think with throws people off especially uh, people of color we're like uh we have enough going on in our communities why in the world do we care about some damn animals right But it's so much deeper than that because your compassion for people and animals, you can do both. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay to have both compassion. Oh my God. Yes. Cause I I feel like a lot of the times, you know, while I I completely, completely, completely understand, you know, because for centuries we've been stripped of our personhood. We haven't been allowed access to just basic rights. I'm not going to even say basic human rights, but just basic rights, Mm -hmm. you know, like access to, healthful living conditions, access to healthful food, access, or just being able to exist without having to walk around with trauma. You know what I mean? So like, I get us being like, I just don't have the extra space. I don't have the capacity to care about somebody else. I think that we're, I 
think we're kind of selling ourselves short when we do that because I don't I don't feel like it's like a one or the other type thing. And I you know, me being coming from a, a intersectionality standpoint, it's like I already know I have the capacity to care about more than one thing at once. You know yes. what I mean? Like I'm, I'm both black and female, so I, I don't have a choice. I feel like when uh, when black men say that, oh, you know, you got to place race first and we're just kind of like, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, I'm simultaneously both. I can't like separate myself like that. I feel like we have black women or femmes in particular have like a, a unique experience. And I think that for a lot of us, you know, I feel like it's, it's a bit easier to consider caring more about non-human animals just because we we like i said we already have to like navigate the society dealing with at, at the very least two <laughs> separate oppressions yes. and you know, stuff like that i i really i really do wish that more black feminists would consider going vegan just because it's really just like an application of what we already believe in we already believe in that it's not okay to you know look down on anybody else it's not okay to think that oh so and so is deserving of this mistreatment because they're a member of whatever marginalized group we already know that that's not okay so i just wish more of us um would just kind of consider applying it to veganism because like you said it is it's much much bigger than us i just feel like when you have access to the resources and you can do these things you have access uh, access to the knowledge and all of that then you should just really do your best. You know, I try not to judge anyone, obviously, but I do feel like we should always be pushing ourselves and challenging ourselves to be better. Like, that's the whole point of this. Yeah, absolutely. Be better. What do you think is the hesitation for Black feminists not gravitating to veganism as much as we would think they would? And, you know, so that reminds me, like, the whole, you know, I'm using air quotes here, but talking about, like, wokeness and stuff like that. I do find... (laughs) You definitely use it on air quotes. (laughs) I'm so tired of that word. I feel like the whole, like, you know, woke community or whatever, I feel like they're particularly hostile to veganism. Do you think it's because of going back to what we were saying before about how we don't see ourselves in it because of some of the the narrative that's out there about comparison with animals and veganism and and racism and stuff like that? So that's the hesitation, do you think? I think it's definitely that. And the fact that, you know, like, like you said, we don't see ourselves represented. So veganism is kind of presented as a white thing. And I feel like a lot of people in like the woke space, they're, they're really invested in divesting from whiteness, period. And I feel like if veganism is presented as a white thing, then they're just going to be, you know, against it just off bat because it's like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to work on me. I'm trying to work on my community and build stuff like that. So it's like, you're trying to introduce something that traditionally isn't, or people think that is traditionally almost not for our community. Our yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What else do you think needs to happen in order to make veganism, I guess, a little more mainstream for yeah. us? I do feel like, um, cause I, I really see that shift happening now. I, I, I feel like I see the um, beginning changes. Like every day I'm seeing more and more black people who are vegan. I'm seeing more and more black people who are going vegan and stuff like that. I definitely feel like we just need to have more people kind of talking about how, you know, just like veganism is not a white thing. And it's not that, how can I say this? 
I, I had one post where um, I, I can't remember if it was the why veganism isn't always about health or how black feminism led me to veganism. It was one of those. But I was kind of talking about how I can understand the pushback against um, wanting to care for animals since we've always been compared to animals and animals being like a derogatory term. You know what I mean? Because it's not it's not the fact that. It's the fact that being an animal is a problem, not the fact that you're being called an animal. But, you know, when you talk to somebody where that that idea that you are an animal, so you're not deserving to live, so I can treat you however I want to treat you. Mm -hmm. When you're talking to somebody who's walking around with generations of trauma like that, it's just a very delicate conversation that I feel like white vegans is kind of like destroyed. So I feel like, yeah, we just need to have more of these conversations and just more representation and kind of just showing people that you know you don't have to shop at whole foods right you know because i feel like so many people think that you know whole foods is the vegan store but that just kind of brings me to the next point because i think another issue is fact that you know like you said whole foods and a lot of people unfortunately live in black white whatever race you are they live in food deserts so what do you suggest for someone to deal with that because i know you and i are both very blessed that we live in communities that have you know ample resources i know that you are really into community farming and you take your daughter out y'all do y'all thing so what do you suggest for people who live in communities that don't have access to this because i think that is a huge issue it's a huge issue i think um first and foremost try to see if you have a farmer's market in your area that's really what saved me because i was able to go vegan when i wasn't really working when I had um, the first year that my daughter was born. The farmer's market was really the only way that I was able to buy all of my food because I didn't really have that much money. I think just, I think it's just very important to mention that it's okay if you can't do this all at once, you know, and I would just try to do as much as you can, you know, shop at your local um, budget grocery store or whatever, you know, get whatever fruits and vegetables that you can get frozen fruits and vegetables if you have to you know just really just do whatever you can depending on where you live because i feel like you know veganism is kind of presented as an all or nothing thing and i don't think it really has to be you know like if you don't have access to these foods like if you truly truly do not have access to these foods like you don't have the money for it or maybe you don't have a car or you have a physical disability and you can't get to the store then i mean I, I don't necessarily think that th- that that means you can't be vegan because I do think that veganism is more so of a mindset than always, you know, what you eat. And I know I know that some people are like, what? <laughs> but actually, Dr. Avery Harper, she had brought that up in her book. She was like, you know, whiteness kind of presents veganism as it's like this strict, rigid thing. And she presented the question. She was like, so are you not vegan anymore if you eat ham at your grandma's house on Christmas every year? You know, and it really kind of just like opened my eyes to things. And I'm just like, you know, if somebody really doesn't have the access to this, like, is it really fair to say that they're not vegan? So I, I definitely think that it's all about doing what you can. With what you just, have. <laughs> exactly. With what you have. Like, do what you can with what you have and what you have access to. Another advantage to these days with the Internet, you can order a lot of your, um, That's you true. know, Amazon, the Thrive Market, mm-hmm. all these places make it really accessible and inexpensive too to order from there. I like Thrive Market. Yeah. I like Amazon. So I think that that's really another important key as well. Is just, you know, don't feel yeah. like you have to just be limited to that. But when I first became a vegan, I lived in like a rural county and we didn't have access mm-hmm. to like a lot of, I mean, even a farmer's market was just trash. It was so bad. Fortunately, I had a car. So what I would do is drive about, you know, 20 
20, 25 minutes to go to a grocery store that I knew had everything I needed. And I would go right. there every two weeks and just buy like all the stuff that I knew I couldn't get at another place. And I just got used to it because I just thought it, it was just so important. And it kind of goes back to what right. we were talking about before. It's just like, and you're just convicted about it based on what you know, it's kind of, it, it doesn't feel as overwhelming and daunting right. when you're trying to right. transition because right. you know how important it is. It's like we've been talking about, it's bigger than you. So definitely take advantage of that internet because it's there for a yeah. reason. I saw one of your um, stories on Instagram one time and you were talking about how cheap something was at Thrive Market. And I, I never ordered anything from Thrive Market. I still haven't, but um, I had never ordered anything or even had like looked on the website before and I was like dang this stuff is cheap mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like I need to get on here and yeah. like order some stuff instead of you know spending all this money at my local health food store so they buy everything at wholesale so that's why mm-hmm. they're getting a nice chunk so I like that yeah yeah, yeah. Thrive Market is awesome definitely I, I was gonna say really fast that uh, like you, you had said something about like the transition being a little easier if you are really like concrete on your reasonings. It's really important to consider like the ethical factors when going vegan because that makes it easier. <laughs> you know, like when you're just doing this, like if you're trying to do this to lose weight or um, if you're trying to, you know, not that your health isn't substantial, but you know, when you're just doing it for health reasons or you're just doing it for whatever reasons, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's a bit harder because I don't know for me, well, I know for me, I, I'm gonna use my own example. Like before I was really thinking of it as an ethical issue, it was a lot harder to, to just stay committed to being a vegan, already a vegetarian, you know, cause I had became a vegetarian for health. You know, although I was 16, it was nothing wrong with my health, but still like I had became a vegetarian cause I wanted to be healthy. So it made it really hard to be vegan because I mean, just being honest, after you go through the transition, it's not that hard, but when you're transitioning, you know, you have to learn so much. You have to check all of the labels on everything. You know, you kind of have to live without some of your favorite foods until you, you know, learn how to make them yourself. And maybe you don't cook. You know, like, I feel like the transition is just kind of daunting when it's not like, okay, I'm not going to do this because I don't want to take somebody else's life to get a meal. It's a lot easier when it's just like, you know, yeah, this looks good and I know it tastes good, but I don't want to create the demand for this by purchasing it. Look at that. That's so, so true. And just like people, for instance, they'll do like the Daniel fast or they'll do like a, you know, maybe a 10 day vegan challenge and they feel Mm -hmm. like it's so easy during Mm -hmm. that time. And then when they're done, they're like, why can't I sustain it? Well, because your reason for doing it was because of that challenge. You didn't go f- exactly. deeper than that challenge. You didn't get really clear on your why, and that's why you're failing. Well, you feel like you're right. failing because right. of that. So absolutely, it has to be so clear on the why. The meat industry and stuff like that, like it's really doing damage to the environment. And no, that's not the, that's not the only thing that's causing, you know, that's like destroying the environment or anything like that. I feel like cutting out meat and dairy from your diet is one of the easiest ways that you can really reduce your carbon footprint. Like, yeah, you know, it is a lifestyle change and stuff like that. But I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things Like once you get used to it, you don't think about it anymore. It's not like, you know, although I do try to reduce my use of plastic, you know, like significantly or whatever. But it's not like you 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 can't ever buy plastic again because plastic is awful for the environment and it sits in landfills and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like that's really hard because that means that you can't, you know, buy a lot of your favorite foods because of the packaging that they're com- they're coming in and things like that. But when you're just eliminating these certain items from your food and from your diet, and maybe you don't even do all meats or you don't do everything with dairy in it, you know, you're still making a significant change like that. Mm-hmm. And also when you were you were saying how this impacts humans too, 
And while I don't really try to focus more on, you know, like the ego side of it, but like you said, like everybody doesn't, everybody's not there yet, you know, caring about animals. And stuff. But, you know, we're, when we, when Americans are westernized countries, when we are, you know, living off of greed and stuff like that, we're affecting the lives of everybody in the world. Absolutely. You know, we, we have to like step outside of ourselves and, and really step outside of the sense of entitlement. And that's, I, I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons why people feel like they should be able to eat meat and stuff like that is because they feel entitled to, you know, you got to really see how you are, how your actions and how your modes of consumption, how that affects people 5,000 miles away from you yeah. because it matters on this planet together. Because we're like, oh, does. this isn't this little bit. I mean, only, I'm only one person, but if everybody thought like you, then it wouldn't exactly. happen. It wouldn't happen. Exactly. So that's a very, very good point. Let's talk about, I guess, kind of how this vegan lifestyle kind of feels like it has levels to it. The internet kind of, it kind of messes up your flow a yeah. little bit, especially when you're new, you see so many messages and it kind yeah. of goes back to what you were saying about how this perception of this lifestyle being all or nothing when you first get it started. I think a lot of times people don't even get started and they just watch from the sidelines on the internet is because they see so many messages saying, don't eat this, don't do that, don't do this, right. don't do that. Even though I'm a vegan, I've been vegan for seven years and you've been vegan for a couple of years at this point, but you've been cooking vegan for longer than that. Even sometimes when I see stuff, I'm overwhelmed by looking at it because I'm like, yeah. why yes. even, what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? That because is, everything. Yes, go ahead, talk yes. about that. Yeah, earlier, so earlier today or it was yesterday or something like that, um, somebody was going in on like tofu and soy and stuff like that. And I understand that people have their own stances on soy and whatever it does to your body. But I'm like, look, if I want to enjoy some tofu, I'm going to enjoy some damn tofu. Like, leave mm-hmm. me alone about it. You know, and it's just like, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's so much. I feel like that's why, you know, approaching it from like the the health um, stance is it's not as effective because then it just kind of turns into like this shaming game you know you should only be buying all organic this and you know non-gmo that and you know whatever else you know you can't eat soy you can't drink this you can't do that and it's just like like you said for people who are not even in the lifestyle they're like so i can't eat at all you know people are people so all of these different people all of these different brands you know they're saying one thing the other person is saying something else you know it's like conflicting information you know and it's like so i don't even know what's true i don't know what i should do it could be really confusing and really daunting because it's just like i don't know what to do so i'm not going to do anything yes and i feel like that's what a lot of people are doing they're following a lot of um us online and you, me and you mm-hmm. included of course mm-hmm. they're following mm-hmm. a lot of people and they're just watching from the sidelines and that's why okay. I think us having YouTube channels, why this work is so important. I love how you have chicken and waffles on your channel. So you're showing all of the stuff, all of the food that a lot of people think that they have to lose, I guess, miss out on by okay. becoming vegan. Let's go back for a second, because I know when you okay. first started your YouTube channel, you did not show yeah. your face. I did and not. when I first started seeing your face, B, I was so excited. because I was like, yes, <laughs> finally, she's showing herself because we need to be out here being represented. Right. <laughs> finally. True, true. And I will tell us why you decided to start your YouTube channel. And what's like the what's the main goal at this point with your channel? OK, so first I, I decided to start my channel and I, I'm not sure that I'm doing like the best of job getting my point across. But um, like I said, I had or I'm, I don't know if I had already said it, but. I've had two previous YouTube channels. The first one was like a natural hair channel. It was like when I was a kid. My second <laughs> channel was like a, a social justice channel. So I was I was basically talking about um, 
like the intersect the intersection between race and sex told like specifically from a black feminist perspective if if any of you are on youtube you would know that youtube is very hostile when it comes to anybody talking about social justice or anything like that steps outside of the status quo mm-hmm. so it was it, it it actually was um very very dangerous and like i ended up getting my uh, address leaked and stuff like that oh wow so goodness yeah it was really scary and you know at that time like my child was a couple of months old you know so I'm like I can't do this anymore you know out of their safety so I mean I've always had a passion for food I've always like really 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 liked fruit so like I would just have like a a whole bowl of fruit and there's just pictures of me like with it all over my face and they have all of these stories of how like I'll just eat and eat and eat and eat so I've always kind of had like just a passion for food and but, you know, after reading Sister Vegan and stuff like that, I was like, I, I think it's really important to include veganism in the realm of social justice because it's still a social issue. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still a system of oppression and stuff like that. So originally when I started Urbanistic, I was like, you know, I want this to be like a, a black vegan resource, a really like a black vegan feminist resource. So like you can come here and get recipes. I was really gonna, I was really trying to use food kind of like as the buffer or kind of something to entice people to come in so you can learn about what to eat but also learn about all of these other ideologies and like the importance of being veganist and I've, I've, I've had a couple of posts but I don't feel like I've you know kept up with it as much going back to like why I wasn't showing my face at first part of that was because I didn't have anybody to like film me mm-hmm. and you know making food videos is hard yes. to film by yourself, <laughs> by yourself like, yeah <laughs> like super now I kind of got like a you know a little system down but at first you know I know what I was doing so um you know that kind of played a role in it but I think I was kind of still you know a bit traumatized from all of that online harassment and stuff like that and that's you know that's why I don't go by my real name anymore because I have to take all these extra measures to protect myself and make sure that I can protect me and my family yeah good reason good reason I think you do a good job I know you started off by saying you didn't think you were doing you're not sure if it was obvious but I think it is because the food is a nice way to bring people in Because we show people love through food, right? So it kind of breaks down the wall a little bit. And people are not as guarded (laughs) when they come to your your site. They come for the beautiful photography, the amazing videography. And then you you. teach them. Yeah, absolutely. And then you teach them something in your blog post. I think it's a great balance of of sharing both right. Because you have to figure out a way to uh, give people their their medicine with a little sugar, I guess. That's so true. I think vegan food is so freaking creative. And not that food, period, isn't creative. But just the the extra lengths you have to go through, go to, to, like, kind of recreate these dishes. Which is why a lot of my dishes are, like, recreated dishes of, like, classic black American dishes or anything like that. Like you said, the um, chicken and waffles and how I just did the lemon pepper wings and, like, stuff like that, you know. I, I don't know. I just really enjoy being creative yeah yeah definitely a space for this for sure because i feel like a lot of times people that's what we miss we miss you know the texture we miss the sauces we miss some of the things that we grew up eating so it's really important to show people that you can enjoy your food in a more compassionate very intentional way and you can still get all that flavor and things that you want so that's important definitely necessary for sure yes 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 yeah. Before we wrap up, are there any last minute tips that you want to give for somebody who is thinking about going vegan or maybe someone who is kind of struggling with their journey? I guess I would kind of just summarize what we've already said and just make sure like really before you even think about what you're going to eat, just make sure that you know why you're doing this. Read Sister Vegan if you have to or 
Um, you can check out my blog and read some of my posts or anything like that. You know, just make sure you have like a very concrete foundation on why you want to do this, because that just you need something to fall back on when it gets tough, because it's going to get tough. People are going to ask you questions. They're going to be rude and they're going to make it seem like you don't eat anything. You're going to get upset and, you know, you're going to find yourself hungry and you can't go to any of the fast food restaurants. You know, you need to really have like a concrete reason on why you're doing this. And um, second, like, I really recommend always having food with you. I always have me a book bag of, like, fruits and vegetables just because, like, you can't really eat out at, and I I guess it depends on where you live because if you live in New York City or L.A. or something like that, then, yeah, you can just go to a random place and get, like, some vegan food or something. But for the most part, you know, you would have to go to a restaurant and try to get something veganized, and it's not that you can't do that, but, you know, like, if you're, like, hungry now... You don't want to be out there like, okay, what am I going to eat? You know, I can't eat anything. I can't go to these stores that are like right in front of my face. So I definitely, I definitely would recommend like taking snacks until you really, I don't know. I don't know if it was just me, but like, I felt like my body kind of had to get used to eating vegan. Cause like at first I was just like hungry all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, definitely just always make sure that you have something to eat with you. And I don't know, maybe have like some inspiration that you follow like on Instagram or whatever, like somebody that really resonates with you and doesn't make you feel like you're doing it wrong. So I love that. That's a good, good point. So let us know how we can meet you. We can connect with you on social media. Tell us your website, all of that good stuff. Yes. So I am at urbanistic all across the web. It's H E R B A N I S T I C. It's a play on urban, but uh, (laughs) so at urbanistic.com at urbanistic on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. It was a pleasure to be have you on the show. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I was just listening to the last episode that you had. Like I've, I've listened to all your episodes. So oh, thanks. It's- yes. All right. Thanks again. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the show. If you enjoyed it, be sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes. Also, don't forget to get all of the show notes and resources we mentioned at brownvegan.com. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion? Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.